At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me this week is Ron Hicks. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. It's always great to be here yeah. talking about uh, popular topics from a biblical perspective. That's right. And I don't know if you heard the news uh, just the other week, but a, a big jury decision out of Texas awarded a mother exclusive conservatorship. That's like, I guess, sole custody or primary okay. custody uh-huh. of her seven-year-old son. And this woman has been seeking to transition her seven-year-old son into a girl through hormone treatment. The problem is, is that the father's objected. Mm-hmm. Uh, a jury said, no, the mother has the exclusive right to make those decisions as a child, as a, as the parent. And, uh, this has created a national story and a lot of outrage uh, surrounding this case. Now, just recently, a judge did overrule mm-hmm. the uh, the jury's decision and stop this. And well, but the idea, though, that even that it would get this far, mm-hmm. that a jury would say yes, um, a mother and father who completely disagree on an issue, mm-hmm. the one parent has has the sole responsibility. But <clears throat> as I'm reading the story, the the woman is trying to say that the seven year old self-identifies as a female very loosely because he this little boy likes a female character on a cartoon yeah well that's part of it uh you know at the age of three and here's the background uh at age three the the boy james began to identify with this character on the uh, cartoon teen titans the character starfire and uh, so James, a three-year-old toddler, wanted to be called by that name. Mm-hmm. I want to go by Starfire. Starfire, okay. Around that time, the mother began dressing James as a girl. Whoa, whoa. Dresses <laughs> and, uh, you know, so pushing, really the mother right. was pushing uh-huh. the, the boy in that direction. Now, interestingly enough, a little more background. The mother is a physician. Okay. Uh, this is Dr. Ann Georgilis, uh, who began to transition, pushing the child in that direction. Didn't like the name Starfire because, for whatever reasons, but steered the child of the name Luna. I think we should call you Luna. Um, and I think there's something <laughs> with this, and I think this is important to realize, and, and part of the bigger story here, that children have wild imagination. Absolutely. They identify with things that, you know, animals, pets, mm-hmm. cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. And, the, and this is because their brain is developing. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They're learning. And uh, it's not reasonable, by the way. Even as kids are have big imaginations and they're trying to figure out the world, that's good. But it's not reasonable to let a child to make up their own reality, to oh, say, no. yeah, I'm a, uh, you know, call me Starfire. I'm like mm-hmm. this <laughs> cartoon mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. But the mother, and here's where I'm going with this. The mother re- realized, yeah, it's not reasonable either that the kids mm-hmm, should identify mm-hmm, with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to have a more neutral name or a name that mm-hmm. might be more acceptable, and we're mm-hmm. going to steer you towards that. And Ron, I want to, uh, as we talk about this challenging issue, I want to hear you, you know your thoughts as a pastor uh, when we when we think through this issue. 
there, there are a lot of different uh, things to process through and try to work out. But uh, how would you, if somebody was in your congregation, Henderson Memorial Baptist Church, mm-hmm. and had the situation, now in this case, the mother and father <clears throat> are divorced. You're talking a three-year-old that began to identify with the opposite gender in some ways. I think even more so pushed by one of the parents to embrace mm-hmm. the opposite gender. Oh, yeah. The story I'm just reads. kind of curious how, and this is wow. something where, you know what, as a pastor, mm-hmm. I think you've mm-hmm. got to be prepared to deal with oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I tell young men uh, who are going to the ministry all the time, um, and those are just the ones who seek my counsel, is uh, um, <clears throat> figure out right now what your position is on marriage, yeah. uh, who you will marry, um, who, who, you know, what, what, um, what things you will and will not participate in, what your stance is on all these issues, because you need to decide one outside of the heat of battle. And if you decide these things beforehand and it's ever challenged, and then the nobody, like from my marriage policy for the, before I ever did a wedding, I decided what I would do and what I wouldn't do. So if somebody ever tries to take me to court over that, it will never be because of a policy I form for a specific individual, I formed this before I ever do, did any way. Ha- Ron, do you have these policies written down somewhere? Well, not only are they written, but our church and business meeting has affirmed those. So in our business meeting, it says, this is our pastor's policy. We as a church affirm that. This is a church use policy. Who can use the church? They affirm that. Uh, so, yes, those policies not only are in writing and they're uh, accessible on our website, but the church has affirmed it, so they're standing behind me. Do you uh, make the church aware of your policies on a regular basis, like mm-hmm. a yearly basis, say, okay, especially as you have new people joining throughout the year, they might not tune into the website or be aware of the policies. Do you bring them up to speed and say, hey, if you have any question about where the church stands or what we believe, check out our website? Or- That's a great question. We, we, we don't, and but now that you said that kind of out loud, I think it'd be a great idea. For any new member, yeah. uh, they meet with me before I present them for membership, and I do tell them, this is where we stand on issues. Here's a copy of our Constitution. Here's a copy of our bylaws. Uh, we, we don't put them on the same level as the Scriptures, obviously, but this is the way we as a church body have agreed to function and these are the things that, the, the, that uh, according to the scriptures, what we think is right and wrong. And, and this is important because you have people coming into the church with no church background mm-hmm. in some cases mm-hmm. and not really understanding what the church believes mm-hmm. or even the idea that there is a, a, a there are moral absolutes. Oh, yeah, there are yeah. boundaries for gender. Mm-hmm. There are boundaries for what defines marriage. And, of course, as Christians, we've, we go to the Word of God. Yeah. We go to Scripture to find out what that is. But uh, churches do need to be prepared. Pastors need to make oh, clear that here's what we believe, mm-hmm. here's what we teach, and then to have those policies uh, very clearly uh, written out. Uh, well, you were asking me what what I would do, and we might need to wait until and unpack that a little bit more after break. I'm not sure, but yeah. but uh, uh, one of the things that that I I do is I remind mom and dads, uh, do you allow your child, your three year old child, uh, to determine whether they brush their teeth, how how oh, long they no. stay up, whether or not they have ice cream before or after supper. I mean, wh- where do you draw the line on decisions? So, uh, <clears throat> you know, we can even look. The The United States government says uh, a person under the age of 18, they don't believe is, is uh, aware enough yet to be able to vote for the president uh, 21 before they can consume alcoholic beverages. Or automobile insurance, they're only in it for money. They say the brain isn't properly developed until after the age of 25, some people say now 28, yeah. Yeah. and so at that time, reasoning processes 
are, are more attuned, and so insurance rates go down. So, yeah. so, but so it's three. It, but now we're talking toddlers able to determine mm-hmm. their own gender, as in this case in Texas, That's where ridiculous. there's a mother who somehow picked up on some cues of her three-year-old boy and said, yeah, it looks like he has feminine tendencies. I'm going to dress him as a girl. In fact, Ron, she enrolled him when he was kindergarten age, run the age of five, enrolled him in the public school as a girl. See, I think that's a form of abuse. I mean, I honestly think that's a form of child abuse, certainly neglect. Um, um, yeah, and you're not alone. There are other people who, uh, who believe the same way, and we're going to talk about that uh, when we come back from the break. At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Commonwealth Matters. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. And on this edition, we're talking about gender transitioning children. Do parents have the right to transition their children born one gender very clearly in one gender or the other? Do they have the right to transition them to the opposite gender, even at the protest of the other parent? And with me is Ron Hicks. And we're trying to process through this issue and think biblically about this issue. Uh, Ron, I want to start out with a quote from Andrew Walker of the... uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission based out of Nashville. This is the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. Andrew said this, This is a form of abuse, and, th- and those are terms that ought not to be trotted out casually. But when certain circumstances arise that offend the conscience with such palpable resolve like this one, let us name this situation for what it is. Child abuse under the guise of tolerance and politicized medicine. Here, here. <clears throat> I agree with that completely. Uh, um, even if both parents agreed on the idea of allowing a, a, a three-year-old to transition from being a little boy to a little girl, even if they both agreed, yeah. I don't think that the parent, I, 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 think, I don't think that that would ethically, morally, I don't think legally that should be allowed, mm-hmm. uh, again, on the whims of, of the three-year-old child. Yeah. Now, particularly when, when the parents disagree. I, I've always wondered, and this is a topic for another discussion, but I've, I've, I've often wondered when it comes to the abortion issue, um, you know, uh, 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 the people say, well, the woman has the right to choose. It's her body. It's her body. It's her body. The man is never consulted or considered. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the man has participated in the formation of that of that uh, human being, that child. Right. Right. Uh, yet that's never taken into consideration. And, and, and to me, this is even, this is even more egregious sort of a of a form of excluding a, a parent and saying that you have you don't have a dog in this hunt. Well, you know? and it's and on top of it, it's basing the child's wishes. In as you mentioned in the first segment, the child's mind is not fully developed. Mm-hmm. You do not let three year olds determine what time they're going to go to bed, whether or not they brush their teeth, uh, whether or not they eat M and M's for every meal of the day. You, parents make these decisions for them, and mm-hmm. on. You know, so in regards to their gender, uh, this is not a decision for three-year-olds to make. But here you have a case where a three-year-old's decision is trumping a parent and their decisions, at least one of the two parents Mm -hmm. and their decision. 
And of course, we're talking about the Texas case where a Texas jury awarded sole conservatorship to the mother, uh, Dr. Ann Georgilis, and uh, she was uh, given uh, the right to transition her child, who was born fully male. Nothing wrong, nothing confusing about his his gender, uh, but she is transitioning him to become a girl over the objections of the father now. Because uh, he's, he self-identified with a female cartoon character. That's That was part what, of this. What if he'd have been watching Tom and Jerry and self-identified as a cat? You know, that could be the next step. Don't give anybody any no, ideas, sorry, Ron. Yeah, because that could be where we're going. But no, no, thankfully, a judge did step in and say that that jury ruling was wrong mm-hmm. and they did not consider the rights of the, of the father. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father, by the way, was ordered to stay away from the kindergarten. When the mother enrolled James mm-hmm. uh, into kindergarten, she uh, identified him as female, as a girl, would dress him in dresses. He would line up with the girls when they had to, when the girls went to the restroom mm-hmm. and he would act the part of a girl. The mother went to great lengths to keep the father out of the school, which is interesting. There was mm-hmm. nothing uh, that really rightfully should have done that to him. But now the father is, uh, they've been involved with a legal battle. Of course, they're divorced, been involved with a legal battle over who should have say in over their son. and. Mm-hmm if he should be allowed to gender transition. Ron, mm-hmm. as I catch myself talking about this, I find it just so troubling that we're even having this discussion. It should be so clear. <clears throat> First of all, children do not have the mental capacity to make lifelong decisions. This is a permanent decision. The mother wants to essentially uh, hormonally castrate. Chemical mm-hmm, castration mm-hmm, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Give hormone therapy so that the female traits would uh, be exemplified, the male traits would be suppressed, and it's a chemical castration mm-hmm. that has permanent life-long mm-hmm. effects to on a child that has really no idea, Mm-mm. no idea. Has that all. happened anywhere? I mean, is there any sort of a case study uh, anywhere where a child, maybe even who has, you know, we we know that there's birth defects, and there are children who are born, okay. and it's not clear cut uh, yeah. what what sex they are. Sometimes they're both with born with both male and female genitalia. Yes. is what it's uh-huh. called. And so uh, I'm wondering if there's any case study where you've, where uh, through chemicals they have they have uh, suppressed one of the sexes and 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 done the other and and what what what's happened with any of that? Yeah, you know, the, there is actually a, there's a book out. It came out a few years ago about twins, uh, one that had uh, uh, they're both males, mm-hmm. one that had something that happened during the circumcision, and the the doctor mm. advised that the that boy be raised as a girl okay and so you had a boy and a girl twins Mm -hmm. well the one that did not grow up according to the natal gender the born Mm -hmm. gender Mm -hmm. uh ended up with a lot of psychological problems Mm. a lot of conflict in the life Mm -hmm. uh and and then uh, it ended up committing suicide oh my uh, I, I don't have the name of the book offhand but there is a story of how it didn't end Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. we do know that many people that undergo gender transitions and we're not talking about hermaphroditism where babies are born with um, both sexes yeah we're not talking about biological things we're talking about just simply psychological things that's exactly right and that's an important distinction but uh, we're we uh, know that for psychological reasons when somebody is pushed towards embracing the opposite gender it doesn't end well Mm -hmm. there are incredible it it compounds the psychological distress it increases other problems, uh, uh, the abuse of drugs and alcohol, 
uh, suicide rates mm-hmm. are increased, uh, a number of other problems. Do you know, Ron, that uh, kids who have gender dysphoria, and gender dysphoria simply means that they are not comfortable with their born gender. Mm-hmm. They have conflicting thoughts and they mm-hmm. have trouble with that. We do know that by the time in their early adulthood that they do feel comfortable in their gender, 80%, 80-some percent of children with gender dysphoria will eventually uh, find themselves comfortable with their own gender when they're adults. Kind so of here, growing out of it? Is that what are you saying? Growing out of it or something's happened. That maybe the hormones come in line mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and maybe their mind is maturing. I, I, I'm not mm-hmm, sure, mm-hmm. but there is research out there that shows that they do come around. And so here's the question. Well, if that's the case, why push a yeah, young yeah. child to embrace the opposite gender when we know it creates a lot of psychological distress? It creates a lot of problems in their life uh, when we know that at some point most of them will begin to identify with their born gender. You know what, Richard? I mean, just to be completely transparent, I had a great aunt, loved her to death. Anytime we would visit her in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, she would have purses. Uh, it was me and my and my oldest brother, and my my sister. She would have old purses that she no longer wanted. She would save medicine jars and put pennies in them and. And we'd have peppermints and stuff. And instead of putting them in a bag, she just put them in an old purse that she didn't want. And so we, we couldn't wait to be able to get um, to Aunt Lillian's house because we know that we'd get a purse filled full of treats. Um, my little sister played with dolls. And so, you know, sometimes we didn't have a G.I. Joe to play with. You know, we played with dolls. So <clears throat> here we were looking forward to a purse that we'd get from an aunt and playing with a doll. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would, I, I, I'm not trying to paint in any sort of, but I'm, I'm as far away from, I think, a, a feminine that, that, that you, I would can, agree. you can be. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, but those things did not, those, those things were just things that were, you know, they, they didn't shape my mentality and my right. psychology, my sense of who I was. It was right. just simply, here's a, a woman's bag I'm carrying my treats right. in, and but, here's a... Yeah, but somebody didn't try to push that uh, on that's you. My somebody point. wasn't yeah. forcing you to get in a dress was or saying, no, hey, carry Ronnie, a purse. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie, yeah, you so like a purse, different. so you must be a little girl. Well, yeah. well, well, Ron, if I could say this, there's something bigger behind this. There is something much bigger than just the transitioning of children to the opposite gender. Mm-hmm. There's something bigger than just mm-hmm. parents that are mm-hmm. allowing this to happen or pushing on their kids. Mm-hmm. I'd say that there's, uh, there's, there's bigger things to be concerned about. And when we come back from the break, mm-hmm. we're going to unpack that and talk about really what's going on in our Mm -hmm, culture mm -hmm. that brings us to this moment where children are being told by their parents or even uh, encouraged by their parents to embrace the opposite gender. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Service Foundation serves to meet the deepest spiritual and social needs of people. We feed and clothe those who are in need, ministering to the sick and the imprisoned, preaching the gospel to the poor, and offering healing and hope to the brokenhearted. Agape has ministered in Kentucky jails and prisons for over 45 years. We have established ministries in Haiti, Bangladesh, and the Dominican Republic. We conduct evangelism training and rescue women and children from life on the streets. Agape Service Foundation supplies chaplains for law enforcement, fire, emergency service, and first responders. And we assist individuals in getting admitted into rehab facilities, working hand-in-hand with the court system. To learn more or how you can help us, visit agapesvf.com. That's agapesvf.com. 
Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. And on this edition, we are talking about parents transitioning their children to the opposite gender. And I want to go back to Andrew Walker. He is the uh, policy analyst at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Andrew Walker said this about the case in Texas where the mother was transitioning the seven-year-old son to become a girl. Andrew Walker says, This situation is not just about gender because our debates about gender are wrapped up in a larger vortex of mass delusion that follows from jettisoning a moral foundation based on biblical morality. Mm-hmm. And Ron, I think that uh, hits it uh, right on the head that there's something bigger going on. This is just the result of a culture that's lost its moral compass. Oh, absolutely. A culture that has become uh, rejected biblical morality and where people become a law unto themselves. Well, I think I think this is a symptom of, of, of the problem where we, we live in a fallen world. It, it reminds me of the story of Nehemiah. Remember in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had heard that the walls of the city of Jerusalem were down. And it was the, 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 the city of David where the temple was, where where um, God's people resided, and he was so troubled with that, yeah. he risked his own life to ask if he can go back and, and rebuild the walls. And in Nehemiah uh, chapter 2, verse 17, he said, Then I said to them, um, and he, Nehemiah's talking to the people, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer live, uh, we no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on, on me, and what the king had said to me. So Nehemiah was saying, our walls are down. Our enemies are walking in and out, yeah. taking advantage of us. Yeah. And we have lost the courage to stand and fight yeah. uh, for, for what's right. Later on in Nehemiah 4.14, he says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Yeah. Now, he's not talking about a physical fight. He's just simply saying, look, there is an enemy who is alive and well, and he has infiltrated. Uh, the walls are down, and we've become so anesthetized, I have a hard time with that word, yeah. that the walls are down, and the enemy freely comes and goes through yeah. social media, through our television oh, sets, yeah. through our printed media. through through. It, we're just inundated with the enemy's propaganda right. that our walls are down, and we don't yeah. even realize yeah. it. We've got to stand up, not be afraid of all the people who say that we're bigoted and narrow-minded, and we have to fight for the souls of our children. Ron, that's a that's a really good point. That's a good passage at your point, too. I, uh, you see the, the moral condition, mm-hmm. the moral walls, the spiritual walls of our nation are broken down. Uh, you know, the, the wall of gender is broken down. Absolutely. No longer is that a shared understanding that mm-hmm. if you're born with male physiology, that means you're a boy. If you're mm-hmm. born with female phys- physiology means you're a girl. There's no longer a shared standing. Understanding and you're that, considered intolerant if you should say, that's a boy. Oh, well, that, you know, uh, how do you know it's a boy? That's, well, that's right. <laughs> from that's health right. and PE class. So, here, so here's another moral wall or another uh, wall that's been broken down, and that's the uh, wall of parenthood. Mm-hmm. You know, this father that's trying to intercede for his son to prevent this transi- gender transitioning from happening. He's being told, no, you're being intolerant. You're, you shouldn't impose your morality on him. So that wall of parental authority is broken down. We also have a moral wall in our culture that uh, you should not experiment on children. Mm-hmm. This is a, a huge, untested experiment on children. You don't know mm-hmm. how it's going to end up, by and large, right. what's going to happen when you give them huge doses, doses of hormones 
You don't know the the physical impact it will have on them. Mm-hmm. You don't know, and we do have a good indication that mentally and psychologically, it's not going to end well when you have somebody that's born one gender that transition and identifies with the opposite gender. Usually, it leads to greater problems. So, Ron, you see these moral walls broken down. I want to bring it to the church. When the church sees injustice, when the church sees unrighteousness. When the church sees harm perpetrated against children, mm-hmm. it cannot stand mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. silent. Because when it does that, you see culture further fall into darkness. You see culture fall into more immorality. And you see these issues, by the way, come into the mm-hmm. church. And the question before the church right now is, what do you have to say and what will you do on these issues? And I want to leave our listeners in the last couple of minutes on a good note, because if we just lament over what's mm-hmm, happening, mm-hmm. if we just curse the darkness, so to speak, that's not going to result in a us. whole lot of good. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, but so what can be done? And I would say that because of this huge issue that's receiving a lot of attention, people are focused on it and they're wondering what's going on. We've got an opportunity for gospel conversations. We have a chance to talk about Mm -hmm. a creator who makes human beings in his image. Mm -hmm. That means male and female. We have an opportunity to talk about moral boundaries. We have an opportunity to talk about the differences of gender and sex and God's design. Uh, So if we use these opportunities not to vent, not simply to curse the darkness, but to have these conversations I believe we'll see doors open. I think that we will see good conversations ensue. I think mm-hmm. that people are looking for answers. Most people oh, know, I think, yeah. that there's something wrong mm-hmm. with this, with a parent transitioning their child to the opposite gender. Well, they don't want opinion. They want truth. Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing. And, and, and taking it a step further, uh, here in Kentucky, we're about to have uh, election uh, time. And, and I'm, I'm mentioning our, in Kentucky because we're going to be having the opportunity to elect uh, a Supreme Court justice for the state of Kentucky. Uh, as we're reading the story and we hear that judges are intervening and people are, uh, our government is deciding now uh, mm-hmm. whether or not they should be parents of our children or whether a parent can actually be. So, so when we have the opportunity to be able to share with our government, this is what we think, we ought to be adamant about exercising, first of all, with educated, but exercising our civic responsibilities, I believe our God-given responsibilities, to vote, to be able to vote for justices, uh, judges when we can, to be able to vote for elected officials who appoint ju- judges, to be able to say, you know, this is what the Bible has to say. That's right. And that's a good tie-in to our ability to influence. And mm-hmm. as this uh, program is being aired, that means in Kentucky in just a few days, the ba- the polls will open mm-hmm. and the voters can go out and vote. By the way, Commonwealth Policy Center does have a voter guide. And we do ask tremendous the, resources. Yeah, thank you. And, and and we do have the question on the transgender issue mm-hmm. there. So check it out, CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. But uh, getting back to this, we need to wrap it up. We got just a few seconds here. But uh, I want to encourage the the church to think through this issue. If you're a follower of Jesus, to think through this issue biblically. What does God's word say about this issue? And then look for ways to start conversations with people who are asking the big questions. And, uh, you know, you can talk about the fallenness of mankind, the brokenness that we have. That's why people are embracing this. But then you can also talk about the healing in Christ, that he comes to make us whole. He comes to renew us. He comes to give us a new life and a new path. And that's the good news of the gospel. And that's the news that uh, people need to hear today. Ron Hicks, thank you so much for joining me on the program. I think we'll need to do another uh, program on on this issue. I don't think we covered everything. All right. God bless you, listeners. Thanks for joining us.